Welcome to the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast, the podcast that will help you find solutions for your weight concerns that will last a lifetime. Together, for you. Welcome to episode 51 of the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Siobhan Key. Thank you for joining me. I am a family physician and an obesity medicine physician, and I coach physicians who are struggling with their weight to go from feeling out of control and uncertain what to do to truly get a handle on their weight to knowing exactly what to do and not only that, but how to make themselves do it, which is key. That's the hardest part, right? If you are struggling and you feel you need more help than what this podcast offers, uh, check out my website, weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca, click on the work with me tab and book a free introductory session that will give us a chance to just chat over video conference and find out uh, what sort of help you need and how I'd be able to help you. All right. Today's episode, I think, is a really good one and a really important one. My guest today is Dr. Alexandra Soa. She is an internal medicine and obesity medicine physician from New York. Uh, and we are going to be talking today about uh, yo-yo dieting and why weight regain happens from a biological standpoint, why it's not your fault. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about weight maintenance because that those two things are often related. And from the evidence standpoint, what you can do to help ensure your ability to maintain your weight. I think there's some really good tips in here and a lot of it aligns with what we talk about every week on this podcast, uh, which is be nice to yourself. All of that shame, all that, um, the negative thinking, the judgment that we give ourselves, all of it never ever serves you. It doesn't help you on this path at all. And it's my mission in life. And I think it's Dr. So's mission in life too, to give you permission to let that go. Um, and you'll hear more as we talk about it. But if that's the one thing you walk away from this, I think regardless of what your weight does, if it's going up, down or sideways, if you maintain it, and then you start regaining it, if you have difficulties losing it in the first place, regardless, try to let go of the blame and shame that you might be carrying with you about that. And focus more on just the biological standpoint and taking it step by step. All right, so Dr. Soa, like I said, is an internal medicine specialist, an obesity medicine specialist that runs a clinic in New York. You can find her on social media. Her handles are Alexandra Soa MD. And her uh, website is www.getsowell. So that's G E T S O W E L L.com. Without further ado, here is the interview. Hey, Alexandra, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. All right, so let's start. We're going to talk about kind of weight maintenance and yo-yo dieting, and that's our topic today. But let's just start with you telling us a little bit about yourself and how you kind of came to doing this type of work. Yeah, so um, I am a dual board certified internist and obesity medicine specialist. I'm here in New York City. Um, I have a practice called So Well Health, and we exclusively help people with obesity lose weight. I love the field of internal medicine, but I found that I was continuously treating people with um, very complex diseases, heart disease, type 2 diabetes, and we were just 
always looking at treating a problem instead of the root cause. And then I found this fabulous little field of obesity medicine. And I was like, oh my gosh, there is a, a solution I can offer my patients that we could get to the core, reverse disease, prevent progression of disease, prevent future development of disease. I was like, this is amazing. So I have over the past few years really just transitioned exclusively into this field because unfortunately there are so many patients to help and there are very few experts in the field. So I just love it. I found through years of practicing uh, in this field that there is no one size fits all and there's no one thing that you can do and that you really need to come at it from a multidisciplinary, multi-layered approach. So in my practice, we look at things from a medical perspective, we treat with nutrition, we do some CBT, so some mind work, which is essential, and accountability. And those are the components that I think make up a really successful practice and, and for a successful journey for a patient. So that's my approach, and I'm really happy to be here and talk to you more about it. Nice. And I think, you know, we have a very similar path in that I was kind of in the same way from a family practice standpoint, where I was like, so much of what I'm seeing relates to, you know, diet, exercise, and obesity, and I need to figure out a better way to actually manage those things, yeah. um, which led me to my obesity medicine training. And I think it sounds like we have a really similar approach in that you, you have to, I keep using a Shrek reference. I don't know why Shrek, this reference has been sticking in my head, but I used it in my groups last night, but it's like layers of an onion. Onions have layers. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, like when you're dealing with weight issues is you have to keep peeling it away. Like maybe you start with the diet, but for so many people, that's not the whole picture, right? Like it's not just here, eat this, so much other stuff associated with it. Okay. So we're talking today about, uh, kind of why we're taking more of an obesity medicine perspective today. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about kind of why yo-yoing happens. Mm -hmm. and why it's not really your fault, like it makes sense. And then along mm -hmm. with that, because they're intertwined, is about the topic of weight maintenance. And so if you lose weight, what does it mean to actually maintain that loss and keep it off? Because that's obviously generally our, our goal. Yeah. So I would say um, the majority of patients who come to my practice have lost weight in the past. Um, mm -hmm. People generally try themselves. And what becomes incredibly frustrating to them is that they've lost weight they've gained it and they gained more and then they lost more and then they regained it. I mean, I have, it's not uncommon for me to hear about people who have a hundred pound swings multiple times over their life. And mm -hmm. it breaks my heart when I hear that because I, I imagine all of the work that went into that. And then they, they come and they tell you about their story and they're so disappointed in themselves. And the first thing I say to people is you like, I need to lift this disappointment and shame because it's really not your fault. And so I kind of want to talk a little bit about the science of yo-yo dieting um, or weight cycling is like the more scientific term for it. Mm -hmm. So, and then we'll, and I think it's great. We'll talk about like what we can do to try to maintain weight loss. So why people gain, regain weight? Um, well, first, it's super common. So only a one out of six people are able to keep off significant weight loss for more than one year. So <laughs> you're not alone. It's super common. Um, and one of the main reasons that we regain weight is that our bodies work against us. Like our bodies really don't understand that we live in a world with hyper palatable, over-processed foods. They don't know that we have 
an obesity epidemic. They just know that they're animals. <laughs> and right? So they imagine if you our bodies imagine that if there has been significant weight loss, the the hormones in our bodies are trying to protect us by saying, "Oh gosh, something terrible has happened. We're going to help you regain weight." And so one of the things that happens right away as we lose weight are uh, resting metabolic rate, it drops pretty significantly. So as we lose weight, we need less calories. And if we regained and lost multiple times, as we, if we regain weight, our body's resting metabolic rate doesn't go back to where it started. It's actually lower than where we started. So that's kind of the problem number one. And we need to and we'll talk about techniques about how to fight against that. But you need less energy and calories as we lose weight, and it's hard mentally um, to sometimes adjust that. Now, the other thing is people will say, I've lost all this weight, and now I'm starving. Like, I would imagine that my body, it needs less calories. You're telling me it needs less calories, so why am I so hungry? Mm -hmm. The reason is is that our hormonal pathways um, become very disturbed. So our hunger hormone, ghrelin, it increases with weight loss. And that's the body fighting back against your weight loss and saying, oh, something's wrong, something's wrong. Like you must not be understanding your hunger cues. Let me upregulate ghrelin so that you are hungrier and that you eat more and that we could get back to our starting weight. And leptin, the satiety hormone, um, it, it falls as we lose weight. So you're less and less satisfied. Um, so hormonally, your body can be very, very confused. So we've got decreased basal metabolic rate. We've got hormones that are out of whack. And then the other thing, and this is where the mindset comes in, is that if our, we didn't fully understand why we were losing weight in the first place, and we didn't have a sustainable approach, our willpower, and if that's what you're using to lose weight, can become so depleted and so broken down that by the end of it, if you don't have a clear plan and a path, you'll just be like, that's it, I give up. And we yeah. can very, very easily come back on. The second part of that is it's not just willpower, but sometimes people lose weight for reasons that they don't fully understand. And so I always have my patients start at the beginning with, what are your health goals for this? Like, we come up with three goals. One of them can be a little bit rooted in vanity, like you want to get thinner for your wedding, or you want to fit into something from before, you want to be able to go shopping in a normal um, size department. But really, if it's that you think you'll be happier at the end of the weight loss, like that mm -hmm. we don't achieve happiness with weight loss. I've never seen a patient say like, my whole life has changed. <laughs> I'm a happy person now. And in fact, sometimes you have a little less happiness. Like some things feel better, but you've lost a coping strategy, right? Yeah. Like the overeating when it's a coping strategy for uh, dealing with disappointment and stress and everything. And you no longer have that. It can feel actually unsettling. Like you're a smaller size, but you sometimes can be unsettled. Yeah. You lost yeah. something. You lost a friend along the way. <laughs> That's a really no? good description. A really <laughs> no, good I've friend. Had, but, yeah. No. And I've had patients describe that. And, and I yeah. think that's why we see with um, dramatic weight loss and bariatric surgery, often one addiction is replaced with another because they lost food as the friend. They really can't use it anymore. So often drinking increases and other unhealthy behaviors. So I 
at the beginning of a weight loss journey, I think is the time to really start working or even before is really to start working on the mindset because if you don't take care of that and understand the transition throughout weight loss, at the end of it, if you're depleted and unsatisfied and unhappy, the weight will come back. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so got a lot working against us in the weight loss um, yo-yoing battle, but there are, it's, it's not hopeless at all. And I think it empowers people to know, one, it's super common. It's not your fault. There are things mm-hmm. working against you, but here are the things working against you. And let's like reverse biohack them. Like let's be prepared and we're going to work really hard to maintain the weight loss. Um, that's the other thing. People think that weight loss is the hard part. I often think that weight maintenance is really the hardest part. So it's almost preparation of knowing that. I think it's far harder because when you're losing weight, every time you step on that scale, you get that dopamine hit, right? Where you're like, Ooh, nice. Like that's coming down, assuming it's going in the direction you want. But then when you're maintaining, you have to do the same activities. You have to still kind of keep yourself in control. And yet every time you step on the scale, it's like, okay, it's the same. And you don't have, yeah. that same like reward from the scale. And I think long-term, I think it's, it makes it harder. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. definitely. And that's where I think it's so good. Um, and I try to talk about same sort of stuff you're talking about and also talk about weight maintenance before people are actually at the point of trying to maintain their weight. Mm-hmm. Because I think you have to think about all this before you actually get there. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. So the one other thing that I like to then prepare people for is we, you know, need to do all the mind work and be prepared for it. But then like, what do you do after? So, okay, so I'm here. So there are actually a lot um, of things you can do. So we do have some data on what it looks like um, for the people that are successful with weight loss. So I think that's kind of the great first place to start. Um, and those, those people who keep off weight loss successfully after, and it's not even that long, it's just one year, um, is they write everything down so they continue to do the work. You know, that's part of the work is just journaling your food. Um, they step on the scale regularly and people often think that like, I got here, I don't need to monitor anymore. And that you, you start to lose the metrics since you can't catch yourself and kind of Remind yourself that maybe tomorrow should be a lighter eating day. Um, and then the third thing that they do is, is exercise regularly. So um, I'm, I'm sure, I'm not sure if your listeners know, but, but exercise is not the most crucial component of weight loss, but it becomes one of the most com- crucial components of weight maintenance. Um, and it helps fight against the thing we were talking about with, with the decreased basal metabolic rate. So it helps you, your muscles stay more metabolically active and specifically, um, weightlifting and, and, and muscle resistance, strength training. So that sort of exercise really, really helps. And it just, again, keeps you consistent and accountable. Mm-hmm. So if you're consistent and accountable to the gym, you stay more consistent and accountable to yourself. I think that's a really good point. And I think too, like, a, you know, physical activity has so many non-weight related benefits, like mentally, mentally, sorry, and stress mm-hmm. reduction and stuff too, that, you know, along the same lines of, you don't have the food as a coping mechanism anymore. Uh, being active can help kind of manage some of that other stuff mm-hmm. and be exactly. a good tool for that. Yeah. Yeah. 
I would say the one thing that hasn't been studied extensively, but is very effective in my practice is finding that coping mechanism. So mm-hmm. like write down the things that you love to do that you, that are not food related. It's so funny. As we get older, we lose any hobbies. Yeah, that's <laughs> Work true. And family take over. And then social situations, especially for my patients here in New York City, are very bar and restaurant centric. Because we don't have a lot of food focused. Very food focused. And so people are kind of at a loss as to what to do. And I think smartphones and like the instant access to social media has taken away our ability to like people don't read books anymore, <laughs> you know? So it's, it's kind of like what calms you, what activity calms you. So sometimes it's um, a behavior. So sometimes it's as simple as making a nice cup of tea mm-hmm. uh, or just meditating for five minutes. But then I like people to find active things too. So it might seem silly, but like an adult coloring book has, is very useful to my patients because something physical to do with your hands and it feels mm-hmm. active or like a puzzle, <laughs> you know, something that like stimulates your mind just a tad, but is super relaxing. Um, and it might be something physical in the gym. And, you know, a lot of people do find a release through that, but identifying and I've had patients take up old um, hobbies from childhood, like singing lessons again, violin, dance class. I do think it's actually, I have little kids and we're so focused on like their development. And I think it's quite sad how we stop paying attention to that part of us as we age. And so if we're looking at, we're, you know, I've said multiple times, the weight loss maintenance, weight loss is hard, weight maintenance is hard. Well, if you start to look for some fun in it and you kind of like reward yourself in this process with, okay, so I'm going to give up this bad behavior, but I'm going to replace it with something that I forgot I enjoyed. I'm going to explore something else I think can be very, very powerful too, because it just develops another part of yourself. And it taps back into something very fun and, and very kind of who you were and are, but we, you haven't worked on in a while. Yeah. I think that's such a good point in that um, those coping strategies, like those things when, and I talk about this with anybody using any form of substance, like food, alcohol or whatever is those substances are so rewarding that your brain's just like, Oh, we'll just use this. Like, why would we read a book? when this feels so good and seems like it's just such a good idea, right? Uh, And so like, I love that idea because it really takes intentional planning of like, okay, if I'm not using this, like the food, what am I going to do instead? And making a plan for it. So when your brain's in that place and wants you to only use the food, you've already, you've got stuff written down to, okay, next time I'm trying this to see if it calms me. Yeah, Yeah. it's really important. And, and then even if you think that something like gives you insta reward in your brain, I encourage people, and I know you use this model, but thought downloads and thought records, if you can take your actions and your immediate response a step further, so often like alcohol, food, or even your like scrolling through social media will give you an insta dopamine hit, like pause and think what happens in five minutes, 10 minutes tomorrow. And so like take Mm -hmm. your thought process even beyond the initial reward and stop there and think about that. 
um, because then you start to kind of further cement, okay, I do need something else. I need something else that gives me both Insta feedback, but then long-term positive feedback. Right. The other things aren't, and I'm feeling so badly about myself later that it's never worth it. Like my brain will try to trick me <laughs> in the moment that it's what I want. But if I, if I really think and work through that reward pathway, I can find a better solution. Yeah. Yeah. I like that too. The thinking, not just the immediate like hit, but like, you know, what, if you do something today, what would make you feel the best tomorrow from what you did? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's really good. Um, so then, so we've talked about, you know, it's hard, hard to lose weight, hard to, um, keep it off. And I, you know, I think like what you said about taking the blame and the shame away, I think is so like unbelievably important in every single person I think I've ever worked with struggles with this. Um, and like, could you imagine if we could just remove blame and shame about weight where people could, you know, just deal with their weight without all that stuff? Like, I, it would be so much nicer for people. <laughs> it, it's, it's horrible and it's, it's yeah. societal, it's families and it's, it's, it's a lot of self. Um, yeah. I do think weight bias, um, whether it's from the outside or internal is one of the last acceptable biases. Yeah. And um, unfortunately it is perpetuated everywhere. It's perpetuated even in doctor's offices and in schools oh, yeah. and in family homes and tables and on television. And it's horrible. And so that's, that's literally the first thing I say to my patients is I am, here to lift this burden from you and we have tools and science now and I want to tell you that you are not I, I, I feel badly when I say this but I'm always like you're not unique <laughs> I'm always telling my patients that like, <laughs> I'm like no you're special you're just not like this is not oh you know I've seen this before this is every other patient that comes um, into my practice and you're not a failure and you're not the only one that this has happened to and this is not your faults and we need to try to be as neutral as possible about this so let me yeah. teach you science let's work through it systematically and let's try to stop blaming yourself mm -hmm. it's so like so incredibly important and i i really think the more work i do that that stuff plays a really important role into maintaining weight loss and success in weight loss. Like there's always a science and there's metabolic rates and stuff, but if, if you can approach it from a neutral standpoint or even like a self-love standpoint, I think you set yourself up so much better for success. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's back to that original thing of if, even if you lose the weight, if you don't like yourself at the end of it, like mm -hmm. what, where does that get us? It doesn't get us very far um, and just gets you sad and depleted. So really have to work on just liking who you are on the inside and, and kind of focusing on why you're on this journey and what, what your core goals are. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's really so much about mindset. It really is. And, 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 and value and the ability. I mean, we, we both kind of said it, but this idea that, we should just be neutral about this process. Yeah. Like I'm here to lose weight because I'd like to lower my blood pressure. Okay, that's neutral. Um, but I'm here to lose weight because I'm full of shame and I hate my body. 
is not neutral. And we need to work on that before we take off a single pound. Absolutely. So much. Okay, let's talk about, uh, so we've kind of given the doom and gloom of the science. Yeah. <laughs> let's now talk about like, you know, okay, we know that this happens. Let's talk about more kind of strategies and things that might make it a little simpler. Yeah. So we kind of talked about the things you should do throughout weight loss, but, but especially in the maintenance. So just to recap, so to continue to write things down, be accountable, work out, be active because it really helps um, increase your resting metabolic rate and account for the decreased um, resting metabolic rate in terms of calorie needs um, and step on the scale. So again, it's just about accountability and, and kind of um, being neutral again, like the scale is not a judgment meter. <laughs> it's just neutral and it's giving you a reading. But the other things you can do and really um, uh, focus on are your macronutrients. So people lose weight in a lot of ways through a lot of different diets. Um, I favor in my practice one that's focused on whole foods and proteins and healthy fats. Um, and sometimes that looks like a uh, low carb, high fat, ketogenic diet, and sometimes it's more moderate, um, but focusing on healthy foods. But people can lose weight through a lot of means. But in the weight maintenance period, the thing that becomes very important actually is making sure you are getting enough protein. Mm -hmm. Protein is higher in calories than many carbohydrates, but it also is a very good source of fuel and it, it satiates you and you are not as hungry on it. Proteins and fats, so a lot of proteins have fats in them innately, um, but you know, making sure we have that balance and we're not just subsiding on a low calorie, low fat diet, because mm -hmm. that is, you're going to be hungry. So we need to take care of the hunger first, and we can do that through, through protein and fats. Um, the other thing that I, I would like to mention, so from a medical standpoint, we do actually have medications. So there are five FDA-approved medications for long-term use um, for weight loss, but they can also be used in a weight maintenance journey. So even if they weren't there at the start of the weight loss journey, they, it can often be appropriate if someone is, about, is, on, the, is on the upswing of regain. Mm -hmm. So these medications target, they're not just Band-Aids, they target the um, physiologic responses that we were talking about. So they can target hormonal pathways and the increased hunger pathways and the, the neurochemical feedback of the increased dopamine. It works on all of those. So that's something I would like to mention because it can be a very useful tool um, for patients. Uh, that's, so a couple of sides, one, because I'm in Canada and uh, oh, yes. a portion of the listeners are, is we have fewer. So we have two that are approved. Uh, we just have um, Sixenda and Contrave uh, for brand names. But uh, so, so here in the US, we have five, almost yeah. six. We have a new like pill device on the market that's fiber um, that hasn't been released yet, but it's called Plenity. You guys are lucky. Um, and I think the piece, like I'm going to, we'll do an episode that's more detailed about medications, but you mentioned them being a tool. And I think that's really important for people to recognize they're a tool yeah. because again, it's the weight bias thing where people think, okay, if I need a medication to manage my weight, that must mean I'm failing. And it's, they're just tools in treating a chronic medical condition, just like at high blood pressure medications are a tool for treating high blood pressure or yeah 
diabetes medications are a tool for treating diabetes. And I think that's really important if you're wondering if you need a medication, just to make sure that you look at it as just a medical tool, not a, you know, a measure of failure or success. Because no, no. And it's also not a magic wand. So unless you're doing all of the other things, it's not going to work. It's just not. And that is actually how I came to transition my practice because in the traditional medical space, you have very limited visits. There were medications available to prescribe and you're like, okay, I have 15 minutes with you. I guess I can write you a medication. It just never felt very good to me. And um, the my patients now, because we have a much more comprehensive approach, are all very successful. And it is just a tool to target something specific, not the one and only answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and your comment about blood pressure medications, that's what I say. I literally probably say it 10 times a day. You know, we don't, no one's walking around feeling judgment that they had to start a blood pressure medication and we shouldn't about the same thing with weight management and and the same thing about kind of to this point of weight loss and weight maintenance if someone has high blood pressure we always try with lifestyle interventions first hopefully Um, but if you need a medication we don't take away the medication once you get to your goal blood pressure Mm -hmm. and it's the exact same philosophy with weight management medication. So often people will say, okay, I got to my goal weight. We can take it away, but it's, it's approved and scientifically used in the same manner as a medication like blood pressure. So that is a tool. Um, that is an option that can really help fight against the regain. And, you know, if someone says, oh, but I want to be on a medication, it's, it's not, healthy to continuously lose and regain and lose and regain. And even if the end result is a weight that's your lowest weight, your body has experienced stress along the way. So if you can minimize the amount of times you lose and regain and lose and regain, that's a win. And if a, if a little bit of a medication, a low-dose medication is needed for that, you know, I think that's a conversation worth having with your physician. Absolutely. So let's talk about, because um, you've brought a couple studies, just looking at maybe there is a little bit of a difference depending on how you're eating. I think you're maybe starting to uh, talk about that before we got on to the medication yeah. topic. Yeah. So food and macronutrients. So focusing on, on proteins and fats are really helpful. Um, so there are two uh, kind of points here. So low-carbohydrate diets actually – have been shown to um, to decrease or rather have a um, less effect on those hunger hormones than other forms of diets, than low-calorie diets. So one of the great things about a low-carbohydrate diet is we don't really focus on calories. And mm-hmm. so your body doesn't get used to living on a very low-calorie deficit and low-calorie, low-fat diet. So your basal metabolic rate doesn't dip as much. And because of that, and because your body is still seeing food, the hunger hormone ghrelin, it doesn't surge as high. And the satiety hunger hormone, uh, the satiety hormone leptin, it it doesn't um, dip as low when you're on a low carb diet for weight loss as opposed to other diets. And so that's one of the theories as to why it can be so successful for long-term use. And But on the kind of the immediate food level, we just know that it fills you up more. So regardless of we're measuring your hormones or not, like you just 
feel full longer. That food yeah. takes a little bit longer to digest. It sticks around and your body's like, okay, I had a meal. I'm good. I'm good. I don't need dessert. You know, and this, you know, cause I didn't always use a low carb diet with my um, obesity medicine program. And when I did switch to using mainly a low carb diet, it was really quite remarkable, especially in the patients that had been on one and then switched to the other in like, I had personally experienced that of having reduced hunger by eating a lower carb. Um, but it was really interesting to see how, you know, nothing in the world is a hundred percent, but how fairly consistent that effect is yeah. that most people are like, man, I'm just not so hungry anymore. Um, uh, which is a big deal. Yeah. And it's an old fashioned way of eating. I mean, really when it comes down to it and, and yes, any trend can be corrupted. And I see a lot of packaged food that is not low carb, high fat, and it's not ketogenic in its purest form. And people are trying to push a product. And if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. But in the whole food version of a, of a low carb diet, um, it's, it's very pure it's very kind of natural and it is, it's old school. <laughs> it's how we used to eat before we had factories, <laughs> you know, putting yeah. out boxes of cereal. <laughs> so as yeah. a side note, do you know the story origin of cereal, of breakfast cereals? I, I know parts of it. Like the, um, what was it? it? Like, I know like the breakfast yeah. mainstay of the day is Kellogg's, yeah, right? It was a, a doctor, I think, I think it was Dr. Kellogg and it was cereal was created to, it was to feed um, to do the Lord, religious right? camps of people and it was to decrease sexual urges and <laughs> <laughs> make you pure of that part. And they created this like, I think it was more high fiber and less sugary, but created cereal. And then it started to get packaged and they would put like religious inserts in to the cereal boxes. And then there was like a Kellogg and then a post. Um, and that's where like all of cereal came from. And it all started very religious and it was supposed to cure you of evil thoughts and activities. So I always think that's funny. <laughs> that's funny. I, I, I remember hearing that before, not maybe not in as much detail, but I totally forgot that piece. But it's funny because, it, you know, that's such a fantastic demonstration of how these processed foods feel like it's like, that's what you should eat. Like eating cereal at breakfast is healthy and right. But really when you look at it, it only feels that way because we've been told that and our society has kind of just kept repeating that for long enough that it just feels factual. Yeah. I mean, it's the commercials we've seen as children. It's what was on our table. It's all the prizes um, in the bottom of the cereal box when we were young. Yeah. And the activities. <laughs> I, mean, I kind of, I, I grew up in a really healthy household, but I still remember like eating the honey nut Cheerios and doing the puzzles on the back and seeing the Wheaties boxes and the Olympians, you know, <laughs> we'd be on the yeah. cover. And it's really not the best way to start your day. Like it's just yeah. not. <laughs> um, and it's not the best way to lose weight or maintain weight loss. So, you know, starting off your day with a, a protein or a very complex carbohydrate um, is, is the way to go. And some people don't even need breakfast. So one of the other techniques that can really help in weight loss and weight maintenance is intermittent fasting. Um, so there have been some good studies that show that patients who intermittent fast or um, change up the calories or the energy. I don't even like to use the word calories, but change up the amount of food and the energy they're consuming um, from a day-to-day -day basis, lose more weight, 
and dec um, their decrease in the resting metabolic rate is less than patients who just calorie or energy restrict continuously in the same time period. And the theory is that... I was going to say that's so fascinating because, again, that goes against that belief of if you miss meals, your body will think you're starving yeah. and your metabolic rate will go down. Right. Which it just came up in one of my groups last night about shouldn't we be eating six times a day to keep our metabolic rates up, right? And, and I say, what person can eat six times a day and make smart choices throughout? Like, I yeah. cannot. So I can't ask anyone else to do that. <laughs> It's impossible unless it's prepackaged. That's really, really hard to do. Yeah. And it's just so easy to overeat at any given meal. So um, intermittent fasting, I, I do like in my practice to switch it up. I don't like anyone to do the same thing every day. Now, not eating breakfast every day is probably going to be fine. But I think what's even more effective is um, if two days a week you do a 24-hour fast and you know two days a week you're doing 16 and then three days are normal. Um, you know, you'll, you'll have a little light breakfast and lunch and dinner. And it, it's different for everyone. There really is no one straight approach, but it's this concept of keeping your body aware of what its calorie needs are and your, its energy needs are. And it won't, um, when it sees food like that, it won't drop its resting metabolic rate as far as if you restricted calories every single day. And it makes a lot of sense is coming back to this idea that we're animals. So animals didn't always have access to food at regularly set schedules. That really is a construct of a modern society that needs to go to work and is in school you know, and has a dinner on the table. So it takes a little bit of time to wrap your head around sometimes, but it can be a super useful tool. The other thing about intermittent fasting is, is that it just decreases the amount of times you have to make a decision about food in the day. And a decision fatigue is, is real. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, it's easy to give in and make a bad decision if you just have to make 21 decisions a week as opposed to 14 because you're only eating two meals a day. So that's another really great tool. And those are two things that are really coming out um, kind of on a societal level and people aren't feeling so weird about doing it. So saying I'm intermittent fasting, I'm going low carb. And I think it's really great because um, what we've traditionally been doing over the past 20 to 30 years clearly hasn't been working because yeah. the epidemic keeps getting worse. Um, even though like when I was younger, I remember watching Jane Fonda and like Weight Watchers and calorie counting and low fat, but it, and everyone was doing it, including in my family. And it just, it wasn't working, you know? Um, so now we have some new tools. Yeah. Which is great. And, you know, I think the big piece of this is, um, like you said at the beginning, there's no one size fits all solution for any of this, right? As well as I think there's no one time in your life fits all solution. Like yeah. you, if you're dealing with the medical condition of obesity, you have to be prepared to try different things, see what works for you. And at different times of your life, different things might work. Like you may, yeah. if, especially if you're maintaining weight over long term, what you do now to maintain it might not be exactly the same as what you need to do two years from now. Or, you know, if you hit a really stressful time or you stop sleeping, like you might have to change what you're working on. Yeah, absolutely. And 
that's why I love that this little field of ours is growing and I hope that there are more doctors because it would be great for people to have continuity of care throughout because it is, your body is dynamic. It doesn't just stay in one place in your life and your hormones. And I call them seasons. Like your seasons are always changing. <laughs> You're just like outside inside your body too. Um, and so that's just an excellent point that kind of always, you know, I want people to be consistent in their thought about weight maintenance. Like be aware, like do the things we talked about, but know also that even if you do all of those things every day, things change in, inside your body and you might have to tweak what you're doing. And that would be an excellent time to reach out to someone else who can help you think through it. I mean, even as a doctor, it's really hard to think through your own process and problems sometimes and what's going on and just sharing it, whether it's a nutritionist or a friend or someone who can give you like a neutral approach. Like, Hmm, has something been different? You know, sometimes it is as simple as I'm getting older, sleep apnea is developing, and that's not a simple problem, but it's something one thing. Oh, have you talked to your doctor about the fact that you're snoring and maybe we need to address treatment for sleep apnea? Oh, and that's probably also the reason that maybe 10 pounds have come back on because, you know, your body's really stressed at night. Or did you, is there a super stressful period? Or as a woman, are you going through menopause? Are you post-menopausal? Is something else going on? Um, you know, did you maybe add one small thing back into your diet that you don't realize? You know, sometimes mm -hmm. simple things like, like um, candy lozenges, that people oh. don't realize you know, they'll just kind of like someone at work starts having them and they're popping them and they're not sure you're free and they're raising your insulin and it's simple and it's not, you know, they just couldn't see it. So always not just saying, oh, that's it. I guess I'm getting old. I have to give up or something's changed. It's all coming back on. Like trying to work with someone. And I do think it's good to work outside of yourself and work yeah. whether it's a coach to somebody to talk through it and look at it logically and in a neutral fashion that's the key, right? Like it, it cycles back to where we originally started this conversation is like, if you start to regain, you're best served if you can keep looking at it neutrally and just with that, like kind of curiosity and trying to figure it out versus the kind of classic approach that we've all used of just feeling really ashamed and like a failure, which then makes us not reach out and makes us continue behaviors and start to fall further and further and further, then it gets harder and harder to get back. Yeah. Yeah. And just isolation is the worst thing in this. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's, it's, it will, it won't work. So, um, yeah, finding somebody, whether that's a friend or, you know, a spouse, even sometimes be a good partner, um, a doctor, anybody, but just don't accept it as the inevitable, um, because it really will start to, to wear on you. Yeah, that's great. I think that's a perfect place to end because we kind of tied it all in a pretty little bow and <laughs> served it on a platter. Um, so thank you so much for joining me. Can you let people know where they can find you? Yes, you can find me on Instagram at Alexandra Soa MD. I'm also on Facebook too. I have a little, um, a private Facebook group for patients to ask, people, not patients, but anyone out there to ask questions. And my website for my practice is www.getsowell.com. And I'm always happy to talk to anyone out there. Um, in my practice, we have in 
in-person and virtual and um, both telehealth and, and virtual coaching options. So I'm always happy to help as many people as possible. Yeah, absolutely. It's needed. Thank yes. you so much. Thank you. So tons of good tips in that interview. And thank you so much to Dr. Soa for taking the time to be interviewed. You can tell that she's really passionate about what she does and loves helping people who struggle with their weight and with obesity. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, uh, feel free to send me an email, info at weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please take the time to uh, click on the subscribe button so you make sure you get every episode. But also, if you could leave a review on iTunes or whatever platform you listen to, uh, that would be fantastic. And if you share this episode with somebody that you think might benefit from it, that would be fantastic. Not only would you be helping them, because I think this is a great episode, but also it would help get this show found by more people who need it. All right, have a fantastic week, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you later. And now for a quick disclaimer. This podcast contains general education information on weight loss for physicians. I'm not providing medical advice and listening to this podcast does not create a physician-patient relationship. This podcast does not replace a need for consultation with a licensed professional and no information should be relied upon unless you have obtained specific advice or treatment from myself or another physician. Please review the terms and conditions located at www.weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca before continuing.